Okay, we are ready to begin. This week's Parshas, Parshas Bereshis. Beginning of the Torah. This week's Parshas, the Torah says, Bereshis, Bora Elohim, Esa Shemayim, Yisara. In the beginning, Hashem created the heavens and the earth. Is that what it says, the first Parshas? Yes. Why? Vaharetz Hoysa Sohu Vabohu. And the land was Sohu, Rashi says. It means that it, it, when a person, it was so fallow that when a person looked at it, they were, they were in wonderment, they were in amazement of how fallow it was. Fallow means empty. Empty, de- de- devoid of anything. Vavohu also means empty. Vavohu means rakos, that there's nothing there. So fallow is more like an abandoned empty. And vavo means, uh, right? It also means emptiness. V'choyshech apnei tahom, tahom, and there was darkness on the face of the death. V'ruach elokim n'achetas apnei amayim. And the spirit of Hashem hovered on the face of the water, on the surface of the water. V'yemer elokim, and Hashem said, Yehi Or. Hashem said there should be light. Vayi Or, and there was light. Vayarulukim Esa Or Kitov. And Hashem saw that the light was good. Vayarulukim Ben Aor Ben Achoshech. Hashem made a division between the light and the darkness. Vayikarulukim La Or. Yom, to the light he called day, Vayachoshech Koralayla. And to the darkness he called night. And it was evening, and it was morning the first day. So here the Kleokar asks an interesting question. The Kleokar asks the following question. He says, What was, was. Why do we need to know this for? Why do we need to know that there was darkness? Why do we need to know that the universe is empty? Why do we need to know these things? What was, was? Why is the Torah telling us the reason for this? You hear Rabbi, what we're saying? So he said, what? That's the Kliyakar's question. What? That's the Kliyakar's question. In the he says like this. I want to answer the following way. It is from the day of creation, from the six days of creation, and further, Hashem will not change that which was. In other words, the way that the universe is created, as it is enumerated in the book of Bereshus, the beginning, the first six days of creation, that's the way the universe shall be. God created a system which the universe will function, and that system will never change. That system we call nature, a system of cause and effect, which is universal. Right? It works by the rules, and those rules always work. That's the way Hashem created the universe. And therefore, anything that is created during those six days, that's the way it's going to function. Anything outside of that is not the default position of what was created during those six days. So therefore what? Hashem saw the future that through the acts 
of the evil people. The world is going to go back to being empty. For example, in the generation of the flood, or the destruction of the temple, right? Hashem saw that it's going to be that their actions are going to make the world make the world empty. It's going to make it so It's going to make it darkness. And therefore the Torah is coming to give us a piece of information that we should know. That if it shall happen in the future, that through the actions of the evil people, that the world will return, will come back to being empty. Don't consider this to be a change in nature. This is part of the fabric of nature. Right? The world is just returning back to what it was. To the quality of what it was. Because it's natural for the world to be dark. It's natural for the world to be empty. It's natural for the world to be fallow. So therefore, if the world becomes fallow and becomes dark, don't worry about it. It's part of the nature. It's part of the fabric of the way the universe works. It's just retracting back, it's just ricocheting back to what it used to be. And that's what the Torah is telling us here. That in the beginning, the world was so vavo, and it was choshech ha-pneisahom. Through the actions of the righteous, says Kliyankar. Also, Hashem made the opposite of nature. He created light for the righteous. It's through the actions of the wicked that the world returns back to the way it was. The light is that which is reserved for the righteous. Because there is a contingency, there is a, a clause, there is a deal, there is a contract with the entire creation. And that is, and that is, that it should continue to be the way that it is. When we tamzemira'or, the ganzo tzadikim, therefore Hashem made the light small, and He hid for the righteous. He hid the light for the righteous. Kilo odam habiyiz barak nishnachim, Hashem does not change His mind. Right? If the evil people are going to be in the darkness, that's the way it's going to be. This is what the words, this is what, that's why we need the preamble. That's why we need the introduction. So the reason why we need the introduction to tell us that there was darkness and there was emptiness and there was foulness is to tell us that that's the natural state of the world. The, nat- the unnatural state of the world, the supernatural state of the world, the miraculous state of the world is when there's light. Because the light is hidden. The light is only for the righteous. And when the righteous access, access the light through their good deeds, when the righteous uh, bring to bear the light upon the universe, that is a supernatural act. So therefore, when the evil bring back the darkness, that's nothing to be worried about because that's part of the natural way, the way that the world functions. That's the way it is. And that's what the Torah is telling us. That the world in its essence is a dark, empty, world. Well, isn't it the job of, uh, of people to make, to make the world wide and 
seeds to finish the job that Hashem did. He created the world and that's supposed to make it a better place. Exactly. Right, but that's a supernatural thing. That's not the natural. That's the default position, says the Kriyaka, the default position is for the world to be dark. The default position is for the world to be empty. So Hashem, so to speak, put it into the fabric of the world, that that's the default position of the world. That's the way the world is. The supernatural is and then the light is brought in through the actions of the righteous. At least that's what I understand. At least that's what I understand from the Kliyaka. We're going to elaborate on this more. But slightly from a different perspective. So, there is a commentary called the Nesivi Shalom from the Sonora Rebbe, which I'd like to share with you this evening, on this question of the Kliyaka. Why do we need the preamble to the creation of light? The Kliyaka's question was, is that no other piece of creation in the six days of creation has a preamble to it. The Torah just says, and, the, and Hashem created X, and Hashem created Y, and Hashem created the grass, and Hashem created the animals. Here, it tells us that Hashem created light, but there's an introduction to the creation of light, and that is the fact that there is darkness. Kriyaka asked that question, what do we need the introduction for? That's his answer. But the Nesiva Shalom, the Swami Rebbe, is going to give a different answer from a different perspective. What? Well, you said that, Kriyaka said that the light was hidden. But it's my understanding that the light wasn't hidden, that there was a very bright light when the world was created. No, it wasn't a hidden light. Yeah, so this, the Torah speaks on many different levels. The Torah speaks on a uh, simple level, and the Torah speaks on a homiletic level, and the Torah speaks on a hint level, and the Torah speaks also on a mystical level, on a Kabbalistic level. All those levels, says the Pacha Yitzchak, says uh, Rav Yitzchak Kutna, all those levels, I think perhaps maybe it's in this book on Shavuos or Pesach, I don't remember exactly. But Rav Yitzchutner says that all those levels, you know, when we see the Torah, when we read the simple explanation, so there's, this is a little bit, this is a little bit fine, this idea. He says like this, is that we all know, right, that the, that the Torah speaks on many different levels. There is the hints in the Torah, there is the drash, which is the homiletic, right, there's also the Yisod, there's also the, 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 the um, Kabbalah. There's a simple meaning of the text. So that's in a way of, that's in the way of communication. Uh, there's different forms of communication. The Torah communicates at the same time with the same words on many different levels. But the Pacha Yitzhak says, but not only is that true, but also the Torah, there is universes that we live in. There's the physical universe, there's the spiritual universe, and these universes are reflected in the words of the Torah. When the Torah says something, it tells us something about the universe. So on the simple level, the Torah tells us something on the simple level about the universe. Simple level. tells us the stories of uh, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov on a simple level. But then there's also a homiletic level. The homiletic level represents not only another way to read the Torah, and another way to have for God to communicate with us, but it also represents, it's reflective, not only represents, but it's reflective of another spiritual world. A homiletic insight into the Torah is also an insight into a homiletic world. 
there are parallel universes. There are parallel universes, and these parallel universes ha- are are real, and they're reflected on all the different levels of the Torah. Okay. So, so what was the question? I forgot. Oh, so the question was, wasn't there a bright light? Yes. But the Torah here communicates to us. It's communicating us to, to us on a simple level. So on a simple level, there was a light, and the light was bright. But on a drash level, on a um, homiletic level, the Torah is giving us a message about a spiritual light. And that spiritual light necessarily was not necessarily the same as the physical light. So th- it's not a contradiction to say that there was a light that was hidden for the righteous. That there was a light that was hidden for the righteous that they can o- only they can access in a supernatural sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Fine. So the Swarnama Rebbe wants to answer the Kalyaka's question from the following perspective, a perspective which we've discussed on, on occasion. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avis, chapter 2, V'chol Masecha, this is the statement of Rabbi Yoisi, Rabbi Yoisi, V'chol Masecha, Yiyu L'shem Shamayim, all your actions should be for the sake of heaven. So here the Rav says, the Rav says, uh, the the Ramavadim Rabbatinura Apishashata Oisik Bahila Vishtiya. When a person even when a person is involved in eating or drinking, right? So tonight we had supper, for example, I don't know, noodles, steak, chicken nuggets, whatever we eat for supper, sandwich, drink, water, juice, soda, some other drinks perhaps Right? These things, when we eat supper, even when we have lunch, when we eat and drink, when we're involved in any other matter, could be intimacy, whatever it is. person when they eat, they should not have intent for the pleasure of their body. The intent should be that a person should be healthy, to do the rasa and to do the will of the Creator. To do the will of your creator. That's what the Rav says. So the Mishnah Pekiyah is telling us that a person's intent when they do a mitzvah is very important. The intent is, the intent should be that they are doing it in order to serve Hashem better. Okay? That's what the Mishnah says. Not only does the Mishnah say this, but this is also quoted La Aloha. This is quoted for, uh, this is codified by the Machaber in the Code of Law in 231. The Code of Law says like this. It says only one halacha here. It says like this. So they could serve Hashem better. Then he says, Anything that a person derives pleasure from in this world. A person should not have intent for their own pleasure. They should have intent for the pleasure of the service of Hashem. Like it says in the passage, A person should know, the person should know Hashem in every way that they go. And then he quotes the Mishnah Pekiyavis that we just quoted. Even those things that are just 
are we're not obligated to do. We just do them. For example, drinking, eating, going, sitting, standing, and intimacy, and schmoozing, for anything that a person needs. should be for the service of your Creator. Something that will cause His service. Even if a person is thirsty or hungry. If he drinks for their own for their own benefit, they're not praiseworthy. They should have intention. Sorry that they're eating and drinking for their health. To serve their Creator. But if you're just eating and drinking for your health, you could eat very simply. And yet, there were, you know, Shabbos and holidays, you know, meals are very lavish. Now, if it's just to maintain your health, then why have all this lavish food? You could eat very, like I said, very simple manners. Not for your own uh, pleasure. I mean, people like to have big meals with all the courses and everything. Equally well and maintain their health if they just ate less, right? That's, I mean, that's a good question. It's true. The only caveat that I would add is is that it's subjective. Every person is different in what they can or cannot, what what they have or what they don't have, depending on their circumstances of what uh, makes them relax or gives them strength or gives them enthusiasm or gives them. Uh, positive attitude. For one person to have a, a dry piece of bread, it's good enough for them. Another person makes them depressed. Depends on who they are. Well, I mean, what are you talking about? For another one person, there might be dry piece of bread is good, some water. Another person, not good dry piece of bread, has to be moist. Another person, one moist piece of bread, not good enough, they need a sandwich. What kind of sandwich? <laughs> you know, they need a sandwich that they need a, uh, a foot long? So you can rationalize that with anything. That you can rationalize anything. You can so say, well, I'm going to sleep beyond what I really need because I need more rest. Whereas you said you should only sleep, you know, to get enough energy so that you could serve Hashem. Well, I mean, I think that the Shulchanach, I, I think that the Shulchanach is saying that you should rationalize. I think he is saying that you should rationalize. He's saying you should have the intent. He doesn't say you should eat with the right measure. He's saying that when you do it, you should have intent. There are people in this world who say, I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm going to the game because I want to, because it's fun, because the food is good. They don't bother with the apologetics. They don't bother with the excuses, rationalizations. They say straight out, I'm doing it because it gives me pleasure. And there are people who don't do that. There are people who say, I'm doing it because I need to relax so that I can serve Hashem. That's also a level of, of service. That you live your life with the, with the, with the uh, awareness of the Almighty. Understanding that uh, that uh, that uh, you're doing it for his service, 
Then you want to decide, well, do I really need to do this? We're not talking about that. We're talking about what are you doing it for? I think a lot of what people are doing is for their own pleasure. Right, but you hear the levels. There are different levels. It's true that a lot of what people do is for their own pleasure. But he's saying that the intention be not for my pleasure. I need the pleasure in order that I should be able to serve Hashem in the future. Should I should have uh, I should be mentally stable. I should have uh, I should feel good about myself. Whatever. That's why I'm doing it. He says, Rechain, for example, I feel relationship is so and even to sit in council or meetings with straight people, or to stand in a place of the righteous, or to go in the council of the pure people. Your person is doing it because, oh, look at me, I'm, you know, I was in a secret meeting with this uh, rabbi, that rabbi. He's doing for his own praise of Hashem Chetzer because that's what he wants. But I was saying, that person is not praiseworthy. Heaven came out for Sheikh Shemayin. He has to do it for the sake of heaven. V'chein Meschivu, when the person goes to lie down, he tells Hashem Meshiv Isman Shehech Olasek B'Tayr, Mitzvah for his God, Bishin, Elani Gatsmoy. If he has the opportunity to go and learn Torah, instead the person goes to sleep, of course that's wrong. You know, Hashem Meshivu Isman Yegeya. Even when a person is tired, V'tzorach Lishan, and they need to sleep, to rest from their work. person does that. He says, I'm doing it in order to feel better. That's not good. They should have intent to say, enough. To give sleep to their eyes, and their body rest. To be healthy. So the person shouldn't lose their mind. Because they don't have enough sleep. He goes on, gives different examples. At the end he says, close your brother. The, the general matter is, a person has to place their eyes and their heart on their ways. And they have to weigh every action. With the scales of their mind. When he sees that some that the next action they're going to do is going to bring them to the service of the Creator. He says, they should do it. The imlav, if it's not going to bring them to the service of the Creator, lo they should not do it. Somebody who does this is continually serving their Creator, even when they're sleeping, even when they're eating, they're serving the Creator because each thing. Well, why am I sleeping? Why am I eating? Why am I drinking? Why am I going? Why am I taking a walk? Why am I doing this? The person asks that question and the answer is, I'm serving my Creator, so then he's serving the Creator. Why are people taking vacations? Because they... Taking a vacation because... Uh, taking a vacation because... Uh, you know, uh, if I hang out here too long, I feel like I'm... Uh, I feel like I'm uh, confined to a space and... Uh, uh, the confinement, you know, they have in jail. What is the worst part punishment? And punishment is solitary confinement. Put a person solitary confinement to go on Mishita. So a person feels sometimes when they're when they're when they're in one place with the same people in the same scenario, they feel confined, and it gives them uh, gives them tear of adas. It causes depression. It causes causes sometimes uh, uh, loss of uh, concentration, loss of the ability to be able to function. 
They need vacation just to get out, to get some quote-unquote fresh air, let their hair loose. Mm-hmm. And doing it in order because they should have them properly, so they should be able to attend classes more often. Uh, in order that they should be able to, uh, to, to study more, to, to, to keep the Shabbos, to eat kosher, and whatever. They're doing, that's the reason why they're doing it. So then they're taking a vacation. Why not? Say this every day. What? To love your God, your own soul, all your might. He stayed in the Shema. To love Hashem. To love Hashem. Well, I find loving Hashem. Loving Hashem is me. I mean, that could be a different mitzvah. It could be a different mitzvah here. This is telling you something else. I know, that's not the way the Rambam describes it. The love of Hashem, the Rambam doesn't describe it that way. The love of Hashem, Hashem, the love of Hashem describes that it's actually love. You actually love Hashem. You actually think about Him all the time. Chapter 10, the words of Tshuva. Mitzvah number, uh, mitzvah number 3 in the book of Mitzvahs. Okay, fine. Anyway, from this is the, the, the introduction. This is the perspective to answer the Koyaka's question. So here, the, the Nesiva Shalom, from this perspective which we'll soon see how this perspective plays into his explanation, which is similar to the Kuraka, how he answers the Kuraka's question. The question, again, let's go back to our question, is, is that why do we need a preamble? Why does the Torah have to tell us that there was darkness, that there was emptiness before the creation of light? That's the, that's the question that we're asking. So, he wants to say like this, that the Torah is telling us like this. The Torah is speaking to us on, on many different levels, and it's also speaking on, on the level of service Hashem. Voracious says in the Simshon, In the beginning, Hashem created the heavens. What's the heavens? The heavens is Hashem created the spiritual world. Hashem created Ruchnius. Shamayim. He created the heavens. He created the spiritual part. You can close the door, maybe. Sorry. He created the spiritual, created the spiritual world. That's Shamayim. Vieta Aretz. And he created these arets, these volcanoes, the shemayim arets, and he created the land. What's the land? The land is the physical universe. He created the spiritual, comp- the, the physical component of the universe. He created a spiritual component to the universe and a physical component to the universe. Right? That's what it means. Bereishis ba'olim eisa shemayim the Now says the Torah, va'aret was what? Va'aret ha'isa sovavo. And the land, which is the universe, was so above all. The universe was empty and it was fallow. Which means what? That the nature of the universe, the nature of the physical world, the nature of what we see and what we touch and what we smell, the nature of those things is to create emptiness, to create wonderment about how empty it is, to create confusion to create darkness. The universe was created empty and there was darkness. That emptiness creates darkness on the depths. Which means that by its very nature by its very nature the physical universe has the capacity to swallow up to confuse the Jew to create darkness in their mind, to have them lose track of where they're going and where they're coming from. 
like we find by Haman. You see that Haman didn't directly attack the Jewish people. First, he invited them to party. He wanted to confuse them. That's the way the Yetahara works also. That's the way the evil inclination works too. The same as the universe works. It's they create confusion. There is no worse thing, he says, than for a person to be confused, for a person to be in the dark, not to know where they are, not to know what the right thing to do is. That's the worst thing. He quotes the Rebbe from Kuvrin. The Rebbe from Kuvrin says that no money in the world is worth a second for a person to be confused, for a person not to know where they are. That is the worst. And that is the natural disposition. That's the default disposition of the universe. That's what the Torah is telling us. Hashem created the heavens and the earth. He created the spiritual and the physical. And the physical is darkness. The physical creates darkness. Right? And he says like this, that when a person gets involved in the physical universe, automatically that's darkness. When they're involved in their bills, when they're involved in the food that they eat, the job that they have, the, 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 uh, the house that they live in, everything that they do that is within the physical universe, everything that's done, the trees that are planted, the fruits that are harvested, the research projects that are done, Anything that's done, that itself embeds the person more and more in the physicality of the universe. And the more they are in, 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 in ensconced, the more that they are entrenched in, 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 the, in, in this universe, the more that the, they, they access the darkness, the more they access the confusion. You know, but you need the, excuse me, Paul, you need the actions, as you just said now. All these actions we need as people so we can serve Hashem, to work your way into the spiritual. If you didn't have this darkness... We We're going to get to that. That's what was my introduction. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. That's what that was my introduction. That was the introduction. We're going to get to that. That's going to be the point. That's going to be the answer. But this is what the Torah is telling us. This is the introduction. Why is the Torah is telling us this? What do you want to say, Paul? I was going to say, when Shimon Akhoi came out of his cave and he saw people working in the field, you know, he said, what is this? You know, he was very disturbed. And God told him to go back with his son. He said, yeah. you know, this is, what you, this is what these people have to be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, so they're involved with the physical. And God said that that was the right thing to do. Right, so you're asking the same thing as Abe, as Abe that you see from the Gemara Chavez, page 33. That uh, you see from the Gemara Chavez that uh, Rabbi Shimon Yechoi was uh, chastised by the Rabboni Shalom for uh, criticizing the universe. For criticizing the universe. These people, he said, of Shimba Yechoi said, these people are leaving the temporal world, they're, they're being, they're being, involving themselves in the temporal world and they're leaving the future world. But why was of Shimba Yechoi chastised? Wasn't he right? person spends 20, 30 years on a research project and then he dies of cancer or among betterment of mankind. Uh, Why should I betterment of mankind? What do I care? Why? Yeah. You want people to die off? You want people to have the healthy But they're going to die anywhere eventually. No. Oh, so we're going to say this. We're going to say. 
If you really cared about my Rebbe used to sing. If you really cared about mankind, would you create the deficit that you created now? What's, what are the grandchildren going to do with the deficit? How are they going to pay it back? <laughs> there'll be a way out. There'll be a, so there will always be a way out. So meanwhile, I'll spend you know, the money, but there'll be a way out. Let them worry about it. Let them worry about it. Why should they worry about it? Why do you worry about it? You know, but they have to do it. But I'm asking, why should you worry? Why do they have to worry about it? You worry about it, creating the deficit for them. You don't have an answer. How do you know they don't have an answer? You're spending all the money. You're going to leave them with nothing. If you really care about the great... You care about the grandchildren. What about the great-grandchildren? You care. The great-great-great-great-grandchildren. You care what happens to them. What's the difference? What's the reason? They're going to die all anyway. Okay, Everybody lives until 120 in this What? Gain your legacy, so you just care. And the legacy means what? Well, so there's a legacy, or there isn't a legacy, therefore. So the love is passed down through your children. So there's love. <laughs> and if they the love is passed down, and if it's not passed down, then you're not going to be around to enjoy the love that's passed down. What's different to you? If it's passed down or not. I just have a dog. That's interesting. You should marry. Yeah, what do you worry about? <laughs> well, I think you care about what you do in your actions and because... Well, that's part of it, yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah, the way that you teach your children is what you would hope that you, you live a good life and you're faithful to them. But where you hope? Oh, Hashem. Okay, fine. Do we have Hashem? You got the sentiment. Because if you, you teach your children properly and you... You give them the opportunity to love Hashem. They pass it down to their children. So, so we're talking about loving Hashem. We're talking about serving Hashem. Fine, I hear that. But if we're talking purely secular terms, we're going to talk about purely uh, physical terms, then it, it all doesn't matter. Nothing matters, sure. really. It's darkness. The world is confu- it creates confusion and darkness, emptiness. The world is empty. That's what the Torah is telling us. The world is empty. There's darkness on the, on the depth. So why did God create me? For what purpose? Oh, so did, did, you, purpose? did you read the next puzzle? You have no, to read I, the next I didn't read it yet. So you got to read the next puzzle. That's what the rabbi says. you got to read the next puzzle. Says the next puzzle. And Hashem said, Yeah, are. And there should be light. By the or and there was light. Right? That the or, the light of God, should shine in the human being. Should shine in the yid. Right? That's what Hashem said. That's going to save him from the physical world, from the darkness. That's going to save him from the confusion. That's going to save him from the emptiness. The light of God that shines within him. That when he's like this, that when the light of God, Meirbo, shines in the person, then everything becomes the service of Hashem. If I go take my car to get fixed, it's darkness. It's emptiness. It has no future. It means nothing. But if it's infused with the service of Hashem, if it's infused with the light of Hashem, ye are. 
then that action in of itself becomes the service of Hashem. That action in itself becomes a mitzvah. That's what Hashem was telling of Shem Bayechayfei, perhaps. That you come to destroy my world. This is the way my world works. You take the world in and of itself as darkness, but if you use it to serve Hashem, then it's all light. It's all good. If, it's, if you're jogging and it's a mitzvah, because the reason why you're jogging is because you want to be healthier so that you can go to shul, then it's light. It's all light. If you're jogging because it gives you pleasure so you should be strong, you could look at your muscles in the mirror, then it's all darkness. It's confusion. It doesn't have any meaning. So if I'm getting my car fixed and I realize that it lets me get to work so that I can do good deeds at work or that I can get down to my Shabbos house, then it's better than... That's the halakha. A person should have intent. I'm fixing my car so that I can get down to my Shabbos house. What if the person That's what I'm doing. What if the person's an atheist? Does that mean they have no light in their life? That's right. Oh. If a person's an atheist, they have no light in their life. Exactly. Yes. By the atheist will walk around feeling very happy. By the other atheist, Hashem said, "Ye are there should be light, the light of God." By the other atheist, Hashem said, "Ye are there should be light." By the other, there was light when Hashem says there should be light. But as an atheist, there's no light. Then what? There's they might be happy. Well, the light is there. They're happy with what? I don't know anybody's happy. I only know myself. I only know myself. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> Robert, you cannot take the light away. All you can do is look at the relationship with that person, his actions, his deeds, how he relates to the light. But the light is here. Right. It's, it's, it's here. There's, there's, there's no way around. God created heaven and earth, light and, uh, night and day. You about darkness. Right, so are we disagreeing or we agree? I disagree a little bit with you. You disagree a little bit. Okay, a little bit is not so bad. You say the light is bringing light to the world. Yeah. Huh? Right? But it's a supernatural uh, light. Right. Because the light is here. Right, right? supernatural light, right? Go to bed, whatever it is, the light is here. It's never going to change. Right. Never, never. Right. Right? So it's a supernatural light. But you say that they agree. Right. But I understand what you're trying to say. I mean, why would you call it darkness? Because it is, because it's darkness. Not the darkness in itself, but the actions itself. Uh, uh, no, 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 I can't think of that. That's what it is. That's what the Nesiva Shalom is saying. And the land, Haitha was created empty. It causes emptiness. It causes darkness in the person's mind. Confusion. The only way that a person can find the way is through the light of God. That's I'm the only way. He's raising the crust. He's going to sell it. Depends what he's doing. He's going to sell it. He's going to uh, the Rebbe Malkovitz, Zuchusu Yogin Aleinu, says like this, Vayemer Hashem, this is a Hasidic way to read this Pasuk, Vayemer Hashem Yi'ar, Hashem said there should be light, Vayemer there was light, 
Vayoimer, if a person will say, Kama, Hashem, Yior, Hashem, give me light. Vayior, then there'll be, there'll be light. If you look for it, then it'll come to you. If you look for it, then you will see it. The light is not readily apparent. There's darkness, you have to seek for it. You have to, you have, to have in mind, you have to have intent. You have to force yourself to think that the reason why I do things is for the sake of Hashem. The light of God has to shine on every action that a person does. That's, what, that, that's his message. And we find this in many different places. For example, for example, we find this like this. The Gemara says in Tractate Brachos, page 14b. The Gemara says if a person is digging a grave, so they're absolved from the mitzvah of the Shema. As a matter of fact, they're absolved from all mitzvahs because we have a rule. Somebody who's involved in the mitzvah, I think if I remember correctly, Rashi explains that, somebody who's involved in the mitzvah is absolved from performing another mitzvah because they're involved in the mitzvah. So this is quoted in the Shulchan Arach, in the Court of Law, in number 71. And there, the Mishnah Brewer says, in the name of the Ran, that even if a person is, takes a break from digging a grave and they take a nap, right, and by taking a nap they're going to miss the time of Shema, they don't have to say the Shema. They're absolved from saying the Shema. Why? Because even taking a nap is a mitzvah. Because the reason why the person is taking an nap is so that they should rejuvenate their strength, so they should continue digging the grave, which is a mitzvah. So even when we're not doing the actual mitzvah itself, it depends on why we're taking a nap. Right? Says Rabbi David Marsky in his book, Hegyoni Halacha, in his piece on Simchas Torah, uh, in volume one, he says there that even if, it, 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 not only is it considered that we're doing an action for the sake of heaven, in, the, in that situation, but also it is considered that the action itself is a mitzvah. The jogging itself is a mitzvah. The sleeping itself is a mitzvah to the point where you see that you're absolved from performing another mitzvah because you're involved in this mitzvah. <coughs> That's one example. It's one example. Consider like a person is even doing a mitzvah even when they're just doing regular mundane action but, but they're they're focused on, on a particular on a particular place, a particular reason why they're doing it. Another example. The Gemara says in Tractate Chagiga, the Gemara says in Tractate Chagiga, page 5, the Gemara says there that uh, Rav Idi, I think it was, the way that Rashi explains it, he used to come to the study hall once a year, for one day, because he lived three months away traveling from the, from the, from the base of Mandrish, from the study hall, so it took him three months to get to Yeshiva. So he used to travel for three months right after Pesach. He travels for three months. He went to Yeshiva for one day. And then after the day was over, he turned around and went back home. Another three months, so they should be at home in time for Sukkot. For three months he traveled, six months he traveled, and one day he studied in Yeshiva. So Rabbi Yochanan said about him, Rabbi Yochanan said that a person who, who, who could, could be that they study Torah one day out of the year, and it's considered that they're studying Torah the entire year. Because what? Because the reason why he was traveling for three months, right, is because is because he was to learn. So even the traveling to learn was considered as if he's learning. 
the getting the horse and attaching it to the buggy and 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 and, and buying the food and the rations and, and staying in the hotels and everything that travel entails, all the things that it entails, everything that he did, each one of those actions was a mitzvah. Why? Because those actions were directed to do a mitzvah, to study Torah. That's what it was for. It was to do a mitzvah. So this is this is the point that the light of Hashem has to shine on every action that we do. It's like walking around with the Eish the Eish Tova on one shoulder, the Eish on the other shoulder. What? He's got the Eish the here, the Eish Tova here. Yeah. One on each shoulder. Yeah. And you, your next action is going to depend how the world's going to react. What's going to happen to the world by your next action? Yeah. Right? Fine. I mean, that's another way to look at it, right? Yeah. You always catch it. Well, that's what he says. Everything that a person does, that's what the Shulchan said. Everything that a person does, a person should weigh. Each time they make a decision to do something, they should weigh. Sure. Why are they doing it? Another example. Um, the Torah says, the Torah says, uh, when you will make the light, and we, I think we, we spoke about this in the past, that, that uh, the instructions of how to light the candelabra in the base Amidash. So there it says, when you make the candles go up. So Rashi says, you should light the, you should light the flame until it goes up by itself. So asks the Shin of Rebbe in his book, the Divri Yecheskel, in his commentary on the Torah, he asks, wait a minute, Rashi's telling us you should light the light until the flame goes up by itself. Of course the flame goes up by itself when you light it. What is Rashi adding to that? Of course the flame goes up by itself. Right? What's the, what the point? So he says like this. He says, he says, I don't know exactly all the details about what he says, but he says that the light represents the light of Torah. And he says that the light should, that the light of, of, of Torah should be lit in our lives so much so until it goes up by itself. Until the, the flame goes up by itself. Until everything that we do is influenced by that flame of Torah. Until the, the, the flame of Torah shines by itself on, every, on all our actions. That's why Yeshua is called our Torah. What? Yeshua is called our Torah. Oh, our Torah. Right. Our right. Torah is also a good name. Well, sure. Yeah, Shari is also a good name. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. So now, um, he says something interesting. He says like this. He says, we can explain the Zohar Kodesh. The Zohar Kodesh is the Nesiva Shalom. The Zohar Kodesh uh, says like this. That Shabbos Kodesh, should be Shabbos Kodesh, Mizgale HaOr HaGodesh. On every Shabbos Kodesh, the hidden light is revealed. That's what the Zohar says. Which light is that? Ha'oragon is the Ihu or Kadamo, the first light that was created. Da'vi Biyuma Kadamo, the first day. This light that Hashem said, or, and it should be light, that light is hidden, but it gets revealed every Shabbos Kodesh. That's what the Zohar says. What does that mean? Because on Shabbos Kodesh, he says, is the encapsulization of all the ideas that we said. Because on Shabbos Kodesh, the mitzvahs are physical mitzvahs. 
to sleep, to eat, to rest, to enjoy oneself. That's what the Shabbos is about. And when a person sleeps on Shabbos, that's a mitzvah. Everything physical becomes a spiritual act. When you eat a bite of chomp, it becomes a spiritual act. Right? So the Shabbos is the encapsulation of the way that we should act all the time. Everything that we do should be for the sake of heaven. You don't want to sleep all day, but when you sleep, it should be a mitzvah when you're sleeping. But on Shabbos, when you're sleeping, it's a mitzvah. So that's what the light is. The first light is supposed to shine. The light of God is supposed to be infused in every dark, in every dark corner of this universe. But on Shabbos, that light is revealed because the nature of Shabbos is that it turns everything, all the darkness, into light. Every action, every physical thing that we do, is in itself becomes a mitzvah. By, uh, by, by requirement, it's a mitzvah. Not just by volition. So lighting the candles on, candles on Shabbos is more of a, it's like a simulation of the original light and how you can bring light to your light? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Could be. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Sounds okay. Could be. What? But fire, fire, fire was supposedly uh, discovered on Shabbos. Fire. I'm going to Shabbos. Okay. okay. Right. That's why I use the flame because that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking the candles are meaning more of the light of your righteousness, not the discovery of fire. Okay. So basically, the bottom line of the message that I wanted to share with everybody is, is that, is that, is that in our everyday lives, I just saw a title to a book. I was walking by a. I forgot the author, but the title was, uh, it's a famous author. The title was, Life is Now. Life is Now. Some people think life was yesterday. Some people think life will be tomorrow. And they forget that life is now. So sometimes we think that life will be when we come to shul. Life will be when we come to class. Right? Life will be... Life was when I was in yeshiva. Life was when I was whatever. Right? <laughs> but life is now. Every moment has a reason for it and every moment can be infused with spirituality and every moment and every person in every situation that we find ourselves we can find the hidden light of the Rabbana Shalom. We're supposed to find the spirituality that is within. To take that, to take that moment and to transform it into a spiritual activity. That's the, that's what the, the, the hidden message is, is that of, of, of our, of, of these psukim. That a person is supposed to seek and say, by Yemi is supposed to say in every situation, Hashem, ye are, make it light for me here. And then the Torah says, by you are, and it will be light. Well, I mean, it was light, but it will be light. Okay, I'm going to